The Parent Show is sponsored by Neve Solicitors. Neve Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution. Radio Verulam. And welcome to this week's Parent Show, which you will immediately notice sounds a little bit different. Your hosts tonight are myself, Steve Simpson, and... Rebecca Rowe. Yes, welcome, uh, Rebecca. It's great to have you with us tonight. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about dads, which is not to say that the show is exclusively for dads. We aren't going off on a rant about VAR in the Premiership or how to strip down a chainsaw carburetor. It's about dads, but it's for all parents. So stick with us, mums. This will be interesting to you too, because we're going to be focusing on a talk about role models. In early 2019, Gillette ran a campaign and asked 2,000 British men to identify their strongest influence over who they were, or in, in other words, who was their role model. You wouldn't be surprised to hear that there were some pretty famous names on the list. Barack Obama featured highly. I think Winston Churchill came in in second place. David's Bowie and Beckham also made the cut, or that would be the shaving cut, and a whole list of sportsmen, artists and politicians, although I guess the survey predated recent political events. <laughs> you will be less surprised that 25% said that their role model was dad. A quarter of men listed dad as the man who was the biggest influence on the man they had grown up to be. Now, how do you feel about that, dads? Does that put pressure on dads? Well, it should do. It's an important responsibility, and it is important that we get it right. And if your kids are looking to you for guidance, you should feel just a little bit of pressure to do it properly. But are we ready for it? Are we ready for that responsibility? If we learnt to be a dad from our dads, how do we cope with the stuff that our dads didn't know about, or maybe even didn't do too well? What sort of traits should we be exhibiting, and how do we learn new traits, or indeed should we even try to learn new tricks, or simply rely on our innate instinct? To answer these guests, uh, to answer these questions, and even more, we'll be joined by a couple of guests who, in their different ways, are experts in the area of dad parenting. I was going to say fathering, but I shouldn't say that really, so they no. fathering means something entirely different. Dad parenting. We'll be joined by John Adams, who's the creator of the hugely helpful, popular and entertaining Dad Blog UK, which has chronicled his journey through family life uh, and his decision to be the stay-at-home parent right from the birth of his two daughters. And we'll also have Adrian Burgess, Adrienne Burgess, the fatherhood uh, from the fatherhood institute uh, which is one of the most respected fatherhood organizations in the world um, it focuses on policy research and practice and um, adrian will join us a little bit later on um, in the show um, so we'll get to them in a moment but becca what do you think about role models and dads and all that stuff well, I think, you know, as this survey shows, I mean, it's an incredibly important um, relationship, a dad, dad and dad and their children, dad and their sons in this case. Um, so, yeah, I think it I think it's um, I think it's really important. Yeah, and it's really interesting that it was 25 percent of men chose dad as their their biggest role model. Yeah, isn't it? all think, the things they could have picked. Yes. I know. I think that's lovely. I, I've got three boys. I hope that they I hope they say one day that their dad's. Are their yeah, role you say model. one day. What do you think they might say if we ask them now? Probably Harry Kane. <laughs> <laughs> but, Harry, yeah. if you're listening, <laughs> he you're is a, a dad. Role model. <laughs> he is a dad. <laughs> so, um, what about other dads? You know, what, what what would they? What do you think they might say about role models? And do you think they recognise their 
the importance of them being role models. Yeah, or? I think I think uh, the dads I know definitely yeah. do definitely want to be the best role model they can be. It's, it can be hard just as a parent to you know you put a lot of pressure on yourself to do that. But yeah, the dads I know I think. Um, very much, very much want to be a positive role model for their children. Yeah. No, not that it's competitive, but I wonder if dads are as equipped as mums in terms of their readiness to act as role models. What do you think? Mums or dads? I think it could be different. I think there is still that sort of feeling that it's sometimes that it's easier for mums, mums to sort of talk, talk, well, they're better at sort of talking and getting things out of... Well, that is their secret more, weapon, yeah, isn't I it? Yeah, I think, yeah. It's probably a bit, bit stereotypical. I'm sure there's differences, but I think... Um, but, yeah, I think... Yeah, I think mums sort of have that that unique way of uh, extracting information. Yeah, you always go to mum when you yeah. need that little bit of extra. So um, mums, as I say, have that secret weapon. Though. They know the secret, which is go and talk to other mums. If you're stuck for something, yeah. you don't know how to deal with the situation, go to, and dads really aren't very good at that. No, well, you, you will know more than me, <laughs> exactly, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ob- observationally, <laughs> I would definitely agree with you. Fantastic. So... Um, uh, we're going to be joined now uh, on the line from our first guest, uh, John Adams. Now, John Adams is the um, the creator of a hugely helpful, popular and entertaining uh, uh, blog, which is called Dad Blog UK. Um, it's chronicled his journey through family life um, and his decision to be the stay-at-home parent right from the birth of his two daughters up to current day. He's an accomplished parent, obviously, um, but he's got a significant audience, and so we'll be asking about his experience as a a parent, but also um, he speaks and writes in the media as a representative dad. He's been on the telly and everything. So uh, we'll be looking for his views on how he thinks dads are getting on as well. So, um, uh, yeah, John, um, welcome to the show. Uh, good evening, John. Welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us. Uh, good evening, and I'm just delighted to hear you saying that the, the blog was entertaining. It's hugely <laughs> entertaining. Um, look, can you tell us something about the website? Because you know, maybe some of our listeners have not um, visited it. What does it aim to offer? Who's it for? And and what kind of things do you cover? Okay, well, um, I became the main carer for my children in 2011. Um, that was a conscious decision between my wife and I, and I found myself facing a lot of sort of casual, unthinking sexism. But after a year of this, yes, I started blogging about it at dadbloguk.com. At first, it was just sort of a, a place to vent and highlight the issues I was having. But as time went on, it's grown to my amazement. People read it, and more and more people started reading it. And you were both my children now at school. I hope I can get away with saying this. Um, without sounding boastful but i sit at number one in the Vulio chart for top uk dad blogs and yes i run it as a, as a business during school hours i mean I've, I've diversified i do very much promote positive parenting positive masculinity that will always be at the core of what i do but you know i do also write about all sorts of things such as you know education schooling you know screen time how to keep children safe online yeah, the challenges and issues I do face as a father. Flexible working, that's becoming a, a much more common topic for me now. Um, as well as fun stuff like uh, motoring. Oh, from time to time, I've even modelled clothes and that type of thing. And so we're talking uh, this evening specifically about the, the importance of dads as role models to their children. So you may be number one in the dad's blog chart, but what do your, what do your kids think about you as a role model? Yeah, I, oh gosh, what do they think of me as a role model? That's a really interesting one because my eldest daughter, uh, she kind of gets the gender 
quality message. I don't quite, you know, she's she's much more, you know, she sees something that she's not happy with. You know, if we're talking about historically how women were treated or she's made aware of, uh, you know, it's another Me Too movement or something like that, she's much more engaged and vocal about it. Likewise, she would also speak up a lot more about any uh, sexism or discrimination that men will face. And I do talk to her quite a bit about how you know, the struggles I've had. Uh, but she does talk a lot about her mum being the boss, because obviously my mum... Uh, my mum? My wife. <laughs> Prodium. Yeah, we... we... <laughs> yeah, yes, Prodium. Uh, oh uh, no, my, my uh, wife obviously is the main financial earner for the family, so uh, the kids talk a lot, especially my youngest, about her being the boss. My experience is that even if earning capacity is reversed, that kids will still see Mum as the boss. So, so what do you think of yourself in terms of being a role model? That's, that's how your daughters see you. Do you think you're a good influence and that the decisions you've made and the way in which you have a relationship with your children um, is a good role model? I certainly hope so. So if I sort of think about that very practically, I always try and encourage them to be active. I always try and encourage them to, you know, eat healthily. I encourage them to do things like go to the library. I could, I could spend hours and hours in the library with my kids. I mean, I love spending time with them there. If, if I think about my particular relationship, it is me that has got them interested in things, or if not interested in, I have facilitated. You know, they've made a request for me to do something like be it karate or piano lessons and all these kind of activities so i'd like to think i have been a positive role model uh that way i'd like to think they do get the the message that nothing in life is going to come to them for free that they are going to have to work for things but you know there there are always shortcomings if i look around my desk and see how untidy it is now i can barely see the wood of the desk I can hardly be that surprised that I'm tearing my hair out that my eldest child is not particularly good at keeping a bedroom tidy. Um, we all have our shortcomings, and you know, I, I have them as a parent, but, you know, they're, they're fed, they're educated. <laughs> Still going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so your, your, your blog in particular, but your work in general, must bring you into contact with, um, with many more dads than most of us. What's your experience there? How do you think dads as a species are coping with, uh, with parenting in general these days? Well, it's interesting you say dads as a species because I think there are all manner of, oh gosh, I'm no biologist, is it species or subspecies? There are groups out there for, for, for dads from ethnic minorities and the particular struggles that, that, or challenges that they face. There are adoptive fathers, foster fathers, stepfathers, fathers in same-sex relationships, divorced dads. I mean, that, that just, all these different dads with different uh, kind of needs uh, and desires for support. And you know, each dad each dad is an individual. Each dad is a different family. That, that, that's interesting because it, it, it's easy just to sort of draw a, a brush across the whole thing and say dads do this or dads don't do that. But as you said there... The circumstances of each family are entirely different, and then the role that each uh, individual father takes is going to be um, is going to be different as well. Do you think that the dads that you deal with, the dads that uh, either come to your website or you you have on Q and A's, that that they're aware of of that individualism and uh, respond to it, or do you think they feel that they need to conform to some sort of great model of being a dad? Um, I think it's a bit of a mixture, actually. I think there are those dads who, such as myself, who are sort of quite happy to go against the grain. Um, but I think there is among 
uh, there's definitely a population of men out there who see it as their role to provide for the family financially i should say and it's their other half's role to do all the domestic stuff there is definitely a population of guys who, who, who think that way probably largely because of their upbringings but what what i see increasingly is groups in like the, the dadless soul group which is not a group i've ever had a great deal to do with i've never been to any of their events but it's fascinating to, to watch, watch uh, what that group is doing and trying to get dads together to actually provide them with, with, uh, with places where they can actually go and socialise with their children and with other dads. Because what I will say as a man in my position is that there are no concrete barriers, there are no legal barriers stopping men from doing this stuff. And we hear a lot about women crying out for men to be more supportive with the family and, and, and with the home and so on. Quite rightly, the social barriers actually are immense and it is a very lonely existence. And after years of doing this, I'm actually being a lot more vocal uh, mm. about this now. And, you know, I've recently had some communication with a PTA group which I was told, you know, I should warn you, no men have actually been to any of our social events before. And when you constantly receive that kind of message, you know, it makes it damn lonely and damn hard going at times. And actually, the, 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 the issue I have with that is not so much the impact it has on me, but the fact that if mums are socialising with mums, as they do, and their children socialise with each other, but they're your children are left on the sidelines looking in because, you know, they're all having a jolly good time. But yeah. not so that had nothing to do with the question you asked. I went off one there. <laughs> no, not at all, cause, because the, the question which it leads to, it, you said right back at the, at the beginning that, uh, particularly in the early uh, stages after you'd made the decision that you were going to be the stay-at-home parent, that you encountered all sorts of unintentional sexism. Were there other unexpected areas after the decision to divide um, parenting in the way you did? Areas that you weren't expecting to, um, to impact? When dealing with medical professionals in the past, um, I have had issues. Uh, in fact, after about two years of being my kid's main parer, carer, sorry, I had a number of rather um, strange experiences with medical professionals. I mean, on one occasion, a nurse, when I took my child to have some inoculations, she started looking around the room uh, for my wife, couldn't quite sort of understand that a man would bring his child for inoculations. I had another GP um, telling me that I was obviously a babysitter. Now, again, in isolation, these aren't particularly big events, they're irritations as opposed to anything major, but they stack up. And I realised after about two years of being the main carer that if I ever dealt with a medical professional, I make it clear. You, you'll see me kind of getting all tense trying to get a word in edgeways because I'm going oh, to speak first. It's going to be me, not you. Be quiet. You know, and I have to tell them I am the kid's main carer. As soon as they get that message, do they hear those words treated completely differently? And is, is that still the case now? Or is I think there's a thing actually that uh, now my children are older, it's not such a, a big issue. I think when children are younger and they're still, in, you know, you're still in those sort of maternity years and those sort of reverts back to what, what what i mentioned the idea of a man being the main carer for particularly small children is foreign to a lot of people but as kids get older once they're at school and so on you know that's not such a big deal mm. 
Uh, I mean, I, I recently had to take one of my children just to get looked at. It was a, and you know, I didn't actually tell them I was a kids' maid care. I didn't have any issues at all. They were they were absolutely fine. But um, you know, on previous occasions when my kids were younger, if I've, if I've had to you know consult with, with a medical professional, the experiences I've had have not been that great. So uh, yeah. So do do you think that the way in which you have been treated as the parent has that then gone on to reflect on how you interact with your children uh, it, it affects how i interact with my children because you know i have had to say to them at times if they've wanted uh, play dates with various kids or whatever and i've, I've sort of had to say well, that's great you know i'll try and arrange it for you but you know i'm, I'm gonna have to try and find out who the kid's mummy or daddy is and speak mm. good night ten trying to strike up a conversation with a woman I've never met, which uh, is, is, is awkward. Uh, you'd imagine I'd be used to it after all these years, but actually, uh, you know, you don't want to be misunderstood or anything like that. And, and, and so it, it is it is trouble. So um, it also, it means I do have to explain to them that, yeah, look, you know, I am your maker. I'm, I'm not a mum. I've got to make my way into various social circles before I can make this happen for you kids. So, and it does also mean that I sort of explain to them that, look, you know, you're not from, you're from a perfectly normal family, but you just happen to be from a family where your mum is the one who's at work most of the time. But in most families, that would be that. I do sort of have to have these chats with them from time to time. So I'm just going to move us on to a different area now. Gillette did a survey on role models uh, recently in which men were asked to list their influences and their role models. And there was a variety of sportsmen and actors and politicians, God help us. But Dad was pretty much across the board cited as the biggest, most influential role model. And people were saying, when I look at how I am today, it's because of the way in which my dad behaved with me. And do you think that the the way in which we learnt to be parents from our parents is enough today or is there bits which we have to pull in from other places to uh, to make up um, the new model for a, a dad today and um, i think it all depends very much on the individual i mean i think i'm a very firm believer that there is no such thing as say uh, a mothering instinct or a fathering instinct i i just don't believe it. that that shocks some people an element of that must come from how you were raised yeah i, th- I think this must have an impact i think for some people will probably say i learned how to be a father or indeed a mother um by doing the complete opposite of what my parents did <laughs> Yeah, you, you you do hear people who come out with some horrendous stories from backgrounds, and you sort of look at them and you you sort of think, wow, you know, you, you've done incredibly well to actually got through that. Uh, so, but yes, yeah, so I, I think ultimately you must pick up something. From it's a, it's a it's a fascinating answer, and one which deserves its its own show in itself. But uh, unfortunately, I don't have any more time today to go into that. John, th- thank you very much indeed for being so open and so candid about the items of your your life and informative about the behaviours which you've seen in the dads you've you've worked with through your website. C- could you just, for the benefit of our listeners, just tell them how they can access your website, what the address is, and and so on? Uh, certainly, you will find my blog at dadblogukcom uh, You'll find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and in Pinterest. Um, at Dad Blog UK. 
Thank you very much, John, and thank you for joining us this evening. Um, he was a cool dad, and uh, his kids think he's cool because he's top of the pops when it comes to uh, his his website. It's uh, an interesting interview. Yeah, really interesting. And yeah, his yeah his children must think he's very cool with his on his, well even on Pinterest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. What's Pinterest? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I do know really before you write anything. Um, so yeah, he he saw um, he was talking about role models, but obviously the role model which he was providing to his children had been completely flipped onto its its head because he was the stay-at-home yeah. parent not a normal no normal isn't the right word no. but not a typical yeah. um r- role model to take yeah not yeah d- not not sort of the most common but i think um definitely becoming more becoming more common um i think that, um he sounded reasonably comfortable with yeah. his with his role in life <laughs> yeah i think as comfortable as as we, as any of us are as parents trying to juggle the whole thing of being a parent and 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 not losing yourself as well so yeah i think i think that i think that came across but yeah he see, yeah he seemed um yeah he seemed comfortable in what he in what in the choices he'd made he did uh, and the one of the key points which he made i think which is important is that there's no general way for a dad to behave it all depends on individual circumstance so if we are holding ourselves up to a model and comparing ourselves we're we're likely to be disappointed because our circumstances are are entirely different yeah yeah um let's let's move on to our um our second guest now um if i can get my notes in order uh we're going to talk to adrian burgess um on the line so uh, adrian is the chief executive officer and uh, head of research for the Fatherhood Institute, which is one of the most respected fatherhood organisations in the world. Um, their work focuses on policy, research and and practice. Um, and uh, we have Adri- uh, Adrienne Burgess on the line with us right now. I hope we have, at least. My next guest joins us from the Fatherhood Institute, which is one of the most respected fatherhood organisations in the world, a registered UK charity whose work focuses on policy, research and practice, and have a vision of a society in which there is a great dad for every child. And to go into a little bit more detail, a society that gives all children a strong and positive relationship with their father and any father figures. And the chief executive of this institute and head of research, Adrienne Burgess, joins us now. Adrienne, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much for asking us. Um, on the parent show tonight, we're discussing fathers and the relationships with their children. In your experience and the research which you've conducted, how important is dad to the family unit and in what ways? Well, dads are very important. From the child's point of view, the father is the other person who made me. <laughs> well, that's how it works. I've got it now. <laughs> You've got it now. And we know that uh, children will think about and fantasize about their father if they don't have a relationship with him, you know, if they don't know who he is or if the parents are separated or if he's a donor father. Mm-hmm. And some children will think more about that than others. But overall, we do know that even if father isn't present and isn't actually interacting with the child on a regular basis, they have an impact because they, were, they are always in the mind of the child. Then on top of that, you've got the impact that a father has in terms of the way he interacts in the family. So let's uh, think particularly about dads who are co-resident with the mum and the child. Mm-hmm for all or most of the child's childhood. 
so these dads are influential in the way they impact on the mother because a family is a system, really, and what one person does influences what, uh, how the others experience life and what they do. So uh, fathers impact on mothers, so we know that when dads are pretty highly engaged in child-rearing, I'm not talking about being stay-at-home dads, but if they're, they, they roll their sleeves up and they're very engaged, as indeed most fathers today of young children are, they make the most of every minute that they're not working. Most of those dads uh, will have, if they're highly involved, that will make the mother happier. She will be less resentful and she'll be less tired and that will help her parent better. So it also is found that when the dads are highly involved, the relationships tend to be more stable. Fathers actually live longer. We think that the highly involved dads adopt more healthy lifestyles. We don't know exactly, but that seems likely. Mm. So involved dads who, who get their who roll their sleeves up really are on the side of the angels, I would say. So when I was putting together a premise for the discussion, I was thinking of, of what do dads do? What, what's the onus on dads in this relationship? But you're making a, a, a very good point here that the dad is one part of the system and it's the, the machine working together which leads to the success of, of parenting. That's right. And particularly if the parents have a calm and positive relationship, some, some rounds, obviously, mm. but if they pretty well get on well, then that is really important to the outcome for the child. And something that's similar but not quite the same is called co-parenting. How well do they back each other up as parents? How well do they challenge each other when they see the other parent doing something that's not productive? We, you know, we're, all of us make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And we're not all of us good with the child of that sex or that particular child or that age of child we all need help and if the parents can help each other not undermine each other but productively challenge and work together and want the same things for the child then that's another element you know of how the family system works in a positive way so given that dads are a very important part of this system what are the traits that dad can exhibit which make him a good influencer on the behaviour and development of their children within that system which you've just discussed? Within that system, yes. I think, you know, people who can stay calm within the family system are very valuable to the system. Mm -hmm. So that would be important. If fathers have mental health issues, and, you know, one in four will have uh, at some point in their child's life, he may um, face unemployment. You know, life throws stuff at us. Mm -hmm. And so he won't be perfect all the time. He will have his own stuff to deal with. And particularly when parents separate, there's a wonderful phrase that, that, that researchers use there. They'll be really distressed. And during that period, they may exhibit what the researchers call diminished capacity to parent. <laughs> diminished capacity to parent. So when we're going through a great stress, we often become less effective with our kids, that's obvious. So I would say a father who can ask for help, who when he sees things getting on top of him, can enlist other people to help the family. A father who's not frightened to go to counselling. I was talking to a separated dad yesterday who was very distressed. He needed to be getting some counselling for himself hmm. so that he could work out his own pain and anxiety separately. So dads who can ask for help, uh, are very valuable to their children and, and to the family system. I would say on top of the contribution to the system, 
we look at the, the actual father-child interactions. Okay. What do children need from their fathers? I read a really lovely thing the other day that stayed with me. If you're a parent, when your child walks into the room, do your eyes light up because that's what they want from you. Isn't and that I extraordinary? Of all the time my child has walked into the room and my eyes did not light up. Mm. And of course, that doesn't mean we have to light up every time they walk in the room. Obviously, we're busy with other things. But fundamentally, the child wants to look at us and see reflected back to them from our eyes our approval, our love, our belief that they're competent. These positive things, if they can see that often and they are secure in that kind of approval and love, that's probably the most important thing. More important than helping with homework, more important than reading the bedtime story, though that might be part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just being there and reacting in a caring and loving way. doesn't mean not setting limits. Of course, we all set limits. Uh, and that's part of caring. But it is to try to hold the child in your heart in a positive way. And that's not always easy. Is there evidence to suggest that children will adopt what they see from their father, in this case? Yes, sort of role modelling of, of different things. Indeed. Yes, I mean, well, there's been a lot of research into that. And I think, you know, what do children absorb from their parents? either consciously or, or, you know, copying what their parents do, or unconsciously, uh, consciously, you know, consciously, sorry, listening to what their parents say, or unconsciously sort of copying what they do. Mm. These things are, are, are important. And the children, we don't know why one child will adopt, say, its dad's values. You know, the dad might be, you know, a real conservative and like hunting and fishing and shooting. Mm -hmm. And one child will grow up and just adopt that. And another child will be very resistant to that and think this is dreadful. Mm. And we don't quite know why. Children exercise their minds. You know, they, they look at things and they make judgments in terms of the outside world. But so, so that we don't know, but, but the likelihood is that fathers and mothers influence their children in terms of values, in terms of behavior, um, if we're just talking about normal living, they influence their children all the time. And so the father, what the father does is as important as what he says, probably more important. And children will either absorb that or react against it. And these are all reactions. Or they might just sort of stay fairly neutral about some aspect. So what we do, what we say... Oh, how, how we simply are is so important in our families' lives and to our children. But the evidence is, is there that even if the father acts as a fantastic role model, there's still no guarantee that the child will develop in the way in which uh, the parent would expect. That's um, right. And I, that's right. I think that well, well, there's also what they sort of call the fit between that particular child and the parent. Hmm the father the fit is important you know the father you know he wouldn't walk across the road from for a football match you know if he's a real kind of quite cerebral he likes to study he, or he's very into the arts 
you know, some children will just simply, that'll be fine for them because that's actually the way they tend as well. The more that the father and the child can share in happy things, the more that builds a positive bond. And we often say that there's a special place in heaven for dads who take their daughters shopping. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you have to look and see what the child wants. It doesn't mean we have to follow exactly what the child wants. But acknowledging that what they want is something they like and, and falling in with that some of the time is obviously helpful. One of the nice things, a nice piece of research that showed that when dads were sensitive and empathic to their children's, so the very young children, three or four-year-olds, when the dads tried to understand and they didn't get angry a lot, they tried to, to respond to the child, to help the child understand their feelings, mm-hmm. you know, use, use words that will name the feelings, because children don't know, very young children don't know how they feel. They just know there's a, this feeling. And if their dad helps them know that that's an angry feeling or a sad feeling, that they go, this is wonderful for small children. I mean, how are they going to know otherwise? Mm-hmm. So if the dad is able to do that, it's called sort of empathy, and build that you know, in his relationship with, with a preschooler, there is evidence that those children, when they go to nursery, make better relationships with better adjusted children. The kids they hang out with at nursery are the happier kids. So if they've had these sensitive, empathic dads, they make relationships with, with the happier kids. So they, they're naturally drawn to each other because they share those, those values, perhaps? That's right. It is the most... I, I, until I had children, I had no idea what anger was. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Families are full of these huge emotions, mm-hmm. and that's good because we are human and we have all these emotions. But if, you know, no, if they're able to be managed overall pretty well, then that's, of course, a huge contribution. A lot of kids don't have parents who help them to manage their difficult feelings. Observing the children at nursery, I'd read the research, and I used to think, yeah, that is true. And, um, and then you think about it, you think, well, if they're making better... Rela- if your kid's making better relationships with better adjusted children at four... By the time they're 14, they're probably hanging out with a nice bunch of kids. So that when we look and think, well, what's our impact on our children when in adolescence, that's when it starts to come home to roost. And we really see often what's going on and they develop problems. You know, it's probably normal for them to develop all kinds of horrible things, eating disorders, acting out behaviors. You know, this stuff happens. You'll have less of that if the dad's had an empathic relationship with the kids. You'll also have a father who has grown up with his children, learning to be a parent, because that's how you do it, day by day, making mistakes, seeing things that don't work, adjusting his behavior and expectations, so that by the time they're 14, he's better able to deal with them. So so just going to that point there, learning to be a parent, if we focus on boys just for a second, and, mm-hmm. and they've been brought up in this relationship with their father, and then mm-hmm. they grow up and become a parent themselves. Is there evidence to suggest that they parent in much the same way that their father parented them? It's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, take domestic violence, for example. Where a dad has been violent towards the child's mother, 
some of the boys grow up to be violent, to behave, but to use violence, I always put it. Not usually, you know, mm-hmm. even, I don't like to, there's no such sort of innate violence. You know, they, they choose to use violence. Mm-hmm. Um, but lots of the boys never will. So that, that's even a very extreme case. We know that parental, that the father's drug taking or alcohol abuse or gambling behaviors, you know, have a negative impact generally, hugely in the family. And some of the boys will follow that and some of them never will. So we are able to make decisions. We don't just do stuff completely, you know, unconsciously just follow on. And there's very nice evidence that where there has been criminality, (coughs) the dad's been actually in prison, you know, that although this is likely to go down the generations in their sons, if they have a close and positive relationship with their boys, with the boy, it's less likely that the boy will copy that criminality. We're never condemned, you know, it's not, there are variable outcomes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so, so I, one of the interesting things about uh, fatherhood today is that most fathers, if you ask them what they want, how they want to be with their children, will say, I want to be closer to my children than I feel my father was to me. So there's a, there's a yearning for closeness. Mm-hmm. And lots of these dads are achieving it because we know from the research on children that children feeling comfortable discussing difficult things with their dad has increased a lot, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, 30, 40 years ago, they were more likely to go to their mums, but boys tend to be now more likely to go to their dads, and they often, in often, they will say they feel comfortable, even if they feel more slightly more comfortable talking with their mums about it, which they will also feel comfortable talking with their dads. So that the father as a sort of confidant figure uh, has, has increased. I think a lot of the fathers are achieving what they want, which is to be closer to their children than their fathers were to them. The men who've had um, poor or non-existent relationships with their dads, people often tell them, oh, well, you won't know how to be a father now, will you? And um, this, of course, is absolutely not true because we don't... A a boy who, who doesn't have a successful, happy, whatever relationship with his dad is learning about how to be a person and a parent, how to relate to people, for, to friends and to, and to other people in the family. He's learning that from all kinds of places. So he learns it from his mum. He learns it from siblings, perhaps. There may be father figures, for good or bad. He'll learn stuff from them. And also, of course, it's what we look around and see in the advertisements. And uh, we see how we see how dads can behave. So we have wider options than actually just the behavior of our own dads. Now, w- which brings me neatly to my next question. For fathers who are listening to this and thinking, do you know, I'm not sure that I, I do all of this. I'm not sure I'm being the best father that I could be. How can a father improve as a dad? How can they go about picking up new traits or, or learning to father in different ways? Yes, that's such a good question. And there are many answers, but I suppose if there's a good relationship with the child's mum, the first thing to do would be to sit down and talk with her and find out what she thinks would be areas that where she thinks the child would be happier, more positive if he changed some kind of behavior. Not try to do everything at once. And she might really want to hear from him too about her because mums are far from perfect. They're just human, mm-hmm. you know. We all are human. And we're, 
we're good in part. And so a good conversation or continuing conversation between parents and some people are impossible. You can never have that conversation with them. But surprisingly, you know, even more, more parents than you think are able to sit down, more couples than you think are able to sit down and have such conversations, not to try to do everything at once, just one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. And then just to see if you can change behavior, if that's useful, discuss that again. If, if, if you recognize as, as a dad that something you're doing isn't working, you know, mm. the child is getting angry, the child is withdrawing, the child's just doing it again. Those are the things to look at and then think, instead of thinking, how can I make my child behave differently? You think, how could I behave differently? And how could I get help with that? Might be my talking to my child's mother it might be by talking to uh, you know another dad or uh or, or you know sister friend mm. you know because everyone will have or parents everyone will have views you don't have to take on they what they say i think another really interesting way of doing things use google look at things like dealing with anger or discipline to see what other people suggest and what the experts suggest there's lots of stuff out there and lots of strategies that have been developed. So I, I, I think look for look for input. You know, there's a hot we, the science out there is fantastic now, and, and that stuff is available often for free. So fathers should not consider that. What was the phrase you used? That they're condemned to be the yes the, to be the to repeat the pattern of their own fathers. In fact, one of the interesting things when they've looked at highly involved fathers, they've said, well, what. What's in the background of these guys that would predict that they're going to be highly involved? Well, often it's circumstances of the moment. So the part their child's mother has uh, worked full time, the more she does, the more, more work she does, the more caring he usually does. So, so modern circumstances will dictate. That's nothing to do with how he was raised. But another thing can be what they call reparation fatherhood, where the man is really conscious that he didn't have a relationship with his dad or his dad was dead. He didn't, you know, that the stuff to repair. And he makes an active decision to parent, generally spend more time with, but mm-hmm. parent more closely or differently. Yes. And, and reparation fatherhood is quite common. And these men are often very successful as fathers. They didn't have a great role model, if you like, but they learn, they learn from their partners, they learn through discussing things. They learn because they actually read a book or go online. You know, they look at stuff and say, what do I need? And sometimes they've just got great instincts anyway, and we don't know how that happens. That is a very, very interesting point on which to to leave this, that the instincts for parenting may be uh, an important part of this. So, Adrienne, thank you very much. There's so much to talk about here, and we could talk all night on this, but time, I'm afraid, has got the better of us. Thank you very much for your insight. It's my pleasure. Thank you for asking us. And that was Adrienne Burgess, who uh, joined us a little bit earlier on. Uh, She couldn't make it tonight, so we recorded that interview a little bit earlier on today. Uh, So she's from the Fatherhood Institute and um, gave a, well, Rebecca, she covered a lot of ground in that interview, didn't she? Yeah, she did. It was was very interesting. Um, And like you say, a huge, huge, covered a huge amount in terms of fatherhood and role models and, and the family generally, really. It's a pity that uh, that we didn't have her on live because uh, yeah. we were talking uh, while she was speaking there, um, and there are lots of questions we would like to come back on now, having having listened to it. But uh, really interesting. Um, the, the bit 
uh, towards the end there, inf- uh, I'd ask the question, um, you know, do we learn to, to be a father from the way that our fathers mm. um, showed us, um, yeah. if you like, and her um, her um, position there, we were influenced by so many other factors. Yeah. Um, siblings of the fathers, TV, yeah. characters, adverts we might have seen, all these things which are designed to influence us will influence the way in which we uh, act as parents. Definitely, and I think there's, you know, there's huge generational change um, you know, for us and, and our fathers versus now what we expect. Um, what we, we expect of fatherhood now is very different to what was expected, I think, sort of 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that inevitably um, affects the role of a father as well. But we can adapt. That was, that was mm, the point. We can definitely. adapt. We're, just because we don't know um, the answer to something. So, so this, is, this is me as a, as a guy. If, if I don't know how to change a part on a lawnmower, I'll go and Google it because this, the answer is always there. Yeah. If I don't know quite how to deal with a situation with my son at home, the last place I would go at the moment would be Google. Yeah. I try and figure it out for myself rather yeah. than... Uh, um, and that was, that was a really interesting point she yeah. made, that there's science out there. There's loads of information. Yeah. It's all free. Yeah, yeah, and easy to, yeah, easy to find. Yeah. Um, really a uh, key point also about the, um, the, the fit between a child and a father. I'd never really thought about that, that um, the, the relationship will depend on the individual characteristics of the father and the child, which sometimes may just not click together very yeah, well. Yeah, because you can have, obviously, one father, multiple children, it will, ha- it will have different relationships depending on, on that child's, yeah, on that child's traits and, and, how, and how they clash. You know, sometimes if they're very similar... That's not. <laughs> that can be even hard. That can be harder than when they're very different. Yes, exactly. It's, it's, yeah, opposites attracting and, yeah. and so on. But she, she made that point about reparation fathering. There, just about the last one. Sometimes we do exactly the opposite, uh, or try and make up the, the the mistakes of the father. Yeah. yeah. Not, not you, Dad. If you're listening at home, <laughs> not you. I don't mean you. <laughs> Mm. So, um, so there we are, dads. That uh, that really that really wasn't too painful. I hope um, some key points which maybe you've learnt from from that. I know I have. First of all, you aren't on your own, right? We're all in this together, right? Yep, definitely. <laughs> and it's the family that's important, not the not the individual. The family system, which yeah. the way in which the system works. Um, it's it's not all on the dad's shoulders. It's not all on mum's shoulders. It's something which they share together. Yes, definitely. And um, and. Both our guests made the point. You probably are doing a good job at being a dad, however hard you try to <laughs> muck it up. You're probably going to get there in the end yeah. and uh, you get over the bumps in the road. And as we've just said, plenty of help, plenty of help for um, everyone to, uh, to to see, to, to get used to. Um, dad Blog UK, the Fatherhood Institute, uh, not least of the places you could go and look. Um, and and don't be afraid to talk about it. We've talked for almost an hour about it tonight yeah. with uh, Time Flies Past. Um, so we're going to play out now. Uh, Rebecca, thank you for joining me and, and for um, talking about the, the guests and, yeah. and bringing a different perspective. I don't think we needed just a dad to be sitting here <laughs> pontificating about it, but to, 